Well, it was a sweltering, hot day. The kind where when you're standing on the sidewalk at 10 in the morning, you're already dripping with sweat and you've been there for one minute. You know what I'm talking about? The kind where when you go outside, it takes your breath away. It's so hot. It's like oppressive hot. You know what I'm talking about? It was a few Mondays ago. We were, uh, we were actually going out. It was myself and a friend of mine from up north, Mark, who was in a class with me, and uh, Jill Kellerstrass and uh, Liz Ozag. The four of us decided to go out together to do something to help me kind of close out a project for class and tie into the work ministry here. We were going to go into the bottoms down here, just a few miles from here, uh, and we were just going to walk door to door and talk to people, go through a survey, ask some questions, learn a little bit from them, and just hear from them, take care of any needs we could, pray for them if that's what they want, and then move on. Just see what we could gather as we went along throughout the day. So we split into pairs and we went house to house across the street from each other, got just a few houses in, and I went to knock on the door. It was one of those aluminum doors that's not really attached to the door jam well. You know what I'm talking about? So when you hit on it, it's like, it pounds, you know what I mean? And the whole thing starts racketing. And I'm, the door inside is open. So we're talking, it's 100 degrees and there's not air conditioning and that open door is just sitting kind of partly open and the breeze is kind of blowing this nasty heat in. And I can see there's a woman standing about two feet from the door, leaning up against the wall, you know, doing one of those, maybe he doesn't know I'm here. You know what I'm talking about? You know, when somebody comes to your door and they ring the doorbell and you freeze and you're thinking like, if I don't move, maybe they won't know I'm present. You know, she was trying to do one of those, which was fine. Uh, I figured I'd knock one more time, give her a chance. And if she wasn't wanting to talk, that's great. You know, so I knocked one more time and uh, she stepped back and she goes, uh, I'm kind of busy. And I said, you know, that's fine. We're just going to go through a survey, take a couple of minutes. I know it's nasty heat out here. We're willing to pay everybody who'd take a survey with us $2. And uh, that'll give you something just for standing here sweating with me. If you want to do that for a couple of minutes, that'd be great. If not, I understand. And she said, you know, can I smoke while I'm out there? I said, yeah, sure, whatever, come on out. So she steps out, lights up, and she's smoking while we're talking. And I'm going through the survey. And she was very transparent, very honest as we went through the questions. We were really getting a lot of information of what it was like to live where she was at, how she got there, some of her thoughts about God, all that kind of stuff. And at the end, the last question we had was, would you be willing to talk to a pastor from Harvest Bible Chapel? And tears filled up in her eyes and she said, oh, yeah. And I said, well, you know what? I'm the senior pastor at Harvest. I mean, if you'd like to talk even right now, I'd love to talk with you. And she said, yeah, sure. She dumped a little bit more information of some of the struggles she was going through and uh, we'll just call her Rachel, just so we've got a name to address her with here. And I said, uh, Rachel, would, would you like for me to pray with you? And she goes, yeah, sure. And sticks her hands out right away. And I'm, do you want to hold hands? Is that what you're saying? She goes, yeah, that's what you do, right? Okay, that's what we'll do, you know? <laughs> so we make a little prayer circle there. And Liz Ozag is holding her hand and I'm holding her hand. And I just prayed for her and prayed something like this. Lord, you know what Rachel's going through. You know that she is wrestling right now with who you are and what she can see in you. Lord, she's wrestling with alcoholism, drug addictions. The world is coming in upon her. Could you show yourself so rich and so real to her right now, right here? May she meet you and be blown away. May she be able with your power to accomplish tackling alcoholism, and drug addiction. Lord, I just pray that she could come to know you so personally and so powerfully that this would be a change moment for her. In your name I pray, amen.
And when I looked up, tears were just streaming down her eyes. Mascara was, you know, dripping, whatever. I don't know what guy thing you're supposed to say here, but the mascara was coming all over the place. And she just wipes her eyes and she goes, I must look like a mess. And I said, no, you don't. You look like somebody who's wrestling with who God is and what you should do next. That's awesome. And as she turned around to go back into the house, her boyfriend said, what happened to your mascara? You know, total guy thing, right? She's like, whatever. I was crying out there, okay? He goes, why were you crying? I can hear all this. Like it's through, you know, the thin little meshed, you know, I can hear everything. It's like, I'm still here, you know? She goes, they're from the church. We need to be going back to the church. Let me just ask you this. Are you ready for this church to be an answer to people looking for him? The church, we need to be ready to be able to reach out and make an impact to those who are saying, I don't know which way to go. How can we be that impact? How can we bring glory to God and impact this community for Christ? That's the question we're dealing with today. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, and we're answering that question. What is our mission? How can we do this? Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. The ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. So if you don't have one, we're just going to be walking phrase by phrase through this. Uh, Just raise your hand and we'll get one to you, okay? Just raise your hand. We'll get a Bible to you. Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. This is what, uh, in the Christian community, we've labeled the Great Commission, okay? That phrase is not in here, but we've labeled it that, all right? And you'll get the picture why by the time we get done today. Um, let's just start with point one. The church will worship him and recognize his authority. The church will uh, worship him and recognize his authority, but not just the church, this church, this is what we're going to be about worshiping him and recognizing his authority. Let's take a look at the first few verses here and see where we get that from. So we'll start out. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Now, every single word is important. So it says, now. In other words, after what's just happened, the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Well, what's just happened? In the prior couple of chapters, they had ultimate hope in Jesus Christ. They're looking to him and saying, this is the guy. We're talking change coming. This is it. It's going to be different around here. The Messiah has come. That's the guy. They're starting to put more and more hope in him. And all of a sudden... He's crucified. And in that moment, they are devastated. And they all take that step back. Okay, not planned. Don't know what this is all about. And as they're watching, and as they're scared, and as they're starting to see the pressures mount socially, people going, hey, you were with him, weren't you? That kind of pressure mounting. In the midst of that, three days later, they hear that he's risen. He's alive. Some of them have even seen him and they're coming back saying, I'm telling you, I talked to him or I talked to an angel. This is what's going on. It's in that moment after that, that this happens. It says now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Can you feel it? So there's, there's this sense of fear that's beginning to subside, a joy that may be coming back, a total confusion because they're not sure they're getting all this. That's what's going on. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. It says, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. If you actually look back in chapter 28, verse 10, just a little bit above there, it says, then Jesus said to them, the disciples, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. 
So we get this little snippet of Jesus saying, go to Galilee up in verse 10. In in this verse here, we see a little bit more detail in uh, verse 16. It says to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. In other words, they weren't told, hey, just go to to Galilee and wander around. Just kind of wander. That guy looks like Jesus. No, that's not him. Uh, That guy looks. No, that's not him. That's not what they're doing. They're not just wandering around looking to find somebody that might look like him. They're going to a specific spot, the mountain in Galilee, and they're there and they're waiting. He's coming to us. We're going to see him. We're going to see him. Can you feel that energy? They're starting to get stirred. He's coming here. This whole thing is changing back again. I'm not sure I even get this whole thing. Why did he die? Why is he rising again? He's coming here and they're waiting at the mountain in Galilee. The 11 disciples minus Judas, right? Judas is not there. It says in verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. When they saw him, they worshiped him. In that moment where the buzz has been going on, the stir has been happening, the talk is taking place, the excitement is, he is coming here. Then he starts coming up, glorified body, and they can recognize him. He's alive. He's here. The hope is real. Our savior is back. Things are going to be different. And in that moment, they worshiped him. What does that word mean? It means they dropped to a knee. This is the, it's a metaphorical phrase. It means to drop to a knee and to kiss the ring of, to drop down and to kiss the ring of, to say, you are in authority over me. You are worth knowing. This Greek word literally means to say you're in charge. Wow. Are you in charge? In the midst of this, you're in charge moment. They're also saying something about the heart. They're saying, you are worth knowing. You know, our English word for worship, it actually comes from this old English word, worth-ship. To ascribe worth to, to say you're valuable, to say you are worth knowing. In that moment, when they drop to their knees, they are saying, you are surely worth knowing. You have racked our world. Our hope is in you. We worship you. They worshiped him. What a great way to summarize a total attitude, a total like posturing, thinking and actions. It's the whole of who you are coming in alignment with the whole of who he is. They worshiped him. Now, some of you have read ahead and you're like, wait a minute, that's not the whole story. Look what it says right after it. They worshiped him, but some doubted. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? How can you doubt? I'm just wondering what exactly they're doubting, you know? In that moment where they're like, I don't know, maybe it's not him. Maybe it's a guy who looks exactly like him, who has wounds like him, who happens to have known where he's supposed to meet us, who knows everything to say, who's blowing us away when we talk to him, but maybe it's not him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not sure what it is exactly they're doubting. Maybe it's that they're just saying it this way. No, life's still about me. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're standing up and they're saying, yeah, if I got to choose to worship something, it's me. It's going to be my comforts. It's going to be my wants and my desires. No, not going over there and bowing. Some doubted. Doesn't say what exactly they doubted or how exactly they responded, but not all were sold out to Christ yet. They were questioning. They were wondering. They were trying to figure out which way to head. All too often we see Jesus. We see him full. 
We understand who he is. And we have to wrestle with our own stuff, don't we? Worship is about setting yourself aside in order to grab fully onto him. Some of them were still grabbing onto self. That's what's going on. They worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, now, <laughs> this next phrase, Jesus didn't walk up and go, hey, hey guys, it's good to see you. You know, or, hey, it's been a while, right? It's been a few days. What's been going on with you? You wouldn't believe what's been going on with me. You know, like that's not what he says, right? He steps up and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's quite the start of a speech, isn't it? Have you ever walked up to somebody and started with some kind of statement like that? You know, I just want you to be aware that this entire kitchen is under my control, <laughs> right? That, that's, that's what he's saying. He's like, you need to understand where we're at. Grasp the gravity of this. All authority, not just some authority, all, all everywhere, heaven and earth, all authority is under me. Now, do you understand who I am? Now, do you understand what's happening? All authority has been given to me. Wow, given. So there's somebody who's actually doling this kind of authority out. God, the father lavishing upon God, the son, the privilege of all authority in heaven and on earth. And Jesus Christ is now king of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is the one who paid the price for us. And he is looking and he is saying, let me tell you, we have put things in motion. I am in charge. Amen. Now that's a moment. I can only imagine that when he said it, a few of them got some tingles down their spine. Ooh, I knew it was coming. You know, all authority in heaven and earth is under me. I'm telling you, here it comes, right? They're getting excited. This is worth hearing. This church, we will be about worshiping him. This church, we will be about recognizing that he has all authority under him. Amen. That is who we are. We will take joy and privilege in the fact that he is our king, that he is reigning, that he provides for us, that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Jesus Christ, he is worth knowing. Amen. Now that is given some worship. May we, every time we turn around, be all over saying, I want to say he's worth it. May anybody looking in upon this church at any point in time say, they really think that Jesus has something going on, right? That's what we want to be about. That as we show him honor and glory, it is just plainly obvious that we are looking to him. He is worth it. Okay, kind of a lame little example here, but we've used this before. You know, we have a, a little dog, Teddy. And some of you have seen him and you're like, he's not so little. He's kind of fat. Okay. So we have kind of a fat little dog, Teddy. And uh, this dog loves to just follow my wife around. Uh, the definition of worship, you could like take a photo of him at any point throughout the day. And he's like always looking up at her. And he's always trying to figure out where she's going and what she's doing. And if she goes to the kitchen, he goes to the kitchen. He'll lay down right away, but he'll go to the kitchen. <laughs> he's always hanging around. He's always watching her. And anywhere she goes, he goes. I get up and I move and he's like, whatever, you know, <laughs> and, but she gets up and now it's move time. Okay. That's our dog at night. When it's time to go to bed, 
uh, he loves to sleep on our bed. Some of you are like, don't let dogs sleep on a bed. Well, okay, this little dog sleeps on our bed. He jumps up. He lays on my side of the bed every single night as if to say, you, my friend, are equal to me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We get one of those little moments where I come up and every single night I have to say, move over. And then he moves to the foot of underneath my wife, cuts underneath her feet and lays down there. And then I've got space to sleep. I have to actually block pillows up so he won't come back on my side. Otherwise he'll say, no, I'm not, I'm not taking up the queen's space, you know, that kind of thing. The dog worships my wife. And let me tell you something. He does not worship me. All right. You can tell it from afar. You can tell it up close. Here's my question for you. Is it obvious that you're worshiping Jesus Christ? Is it obvious? Are you in that spot where when somebody comes in the room, they can say that person is sold out for who Jesus is? Is that you? That's where we need to be. We need to be in a spot where our heart, where our actions and our attitudes, where, our, where everything that is all of us ends up underneath all of him saying you are worth it. Now that is worshiping Jesus Christ. Are you ready to worship him with all you've got? Are you ready to participate with this church as we worship him with all we have? Are you ready? It's time for us to go after it. Are you ready? I'm telling you, we can get distracted. Are you ready? We have got to be ready to worship him. It means making decisions that are more about him than about you. It means making decisions that lift up his honor and glory, not yours. It means making decisions that say you are worth it. Are you ready? Are you ready? It's time for us to worship Jesus Christ. That's the first challenge. They worshiped him. Second point. This church will make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. You know, if we go into the second part, Jesus started out, remember, with his, his um, great intro, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples. Okay, so let's pull a word out here. Go, therefore. Remember, when we see a therefore, we say, what's the therefore? What's the therefore, therefore, right? Okay, we always have to say that. So it's saying, because of what we just said, because of what we just heard, do this. Well, what did we just hear? All authority in heaven and on earth is under me. Because of that, go and make disciples, make followers of me. Okay? So that's go, therefore. Now, we want to take care of these two verbs here real carefully. It says, go and make. Pretty much every one of your translations says that. Go, therefore, and make. What we need to know is, in the original language, there's actually only one imperative, one you must verb in there. It's the make. It says, you must make disciples. Go make disciples. The go part, it's actually an ing word. They call them participles, right? Like running, batting, hitting. You know what I'm talking about? This is as you are going, make disciples. That's really how it's written in the Greek, okay? Now, as you get those close to each other, the as you are going becomes more important by far, okay? The imperative sort of weighs on it. That's the way the Greek works. So this ing word takes on a little more weight. And that's why most of our translations say, go and make. But if you really were to try to dissect, what's he emphasizing? It's make. Wherever you're at, make disciples. And as you are going, make 
disciples. Okay? Is that clear? We are to be all about helping develop followers of him. By challenging, by growing, by shaping, by working together. Make disciples. Well, what's a disciple? I'm glad you asked. You know, at Harvest we say a complete disciple is one who has four W's. Why don't you go ahead and throw that up, Micah? Four W's. Do you recognize this little picture? It's on the back of your bulletin. So for those of you who said no, you haven't been looking at the bulletin, okay? This is on the back left of your bulletin, on the back side. And if you notice, there, this is actually shaped like a puzzle. I don't know how long we spent, Larry. It was a good month of sitting there going through different ideas of how we can display this. And I said, you know, the big thing I want to make sure we get emphasized is complete. And then the four W's really standing out. And that's what we want to hit on. We went through a bunch of varieties. You wouldn't believe stuff we had. But we ended up with a great one. And Larry came up with this puzzle concept. If we're missing a piece of the puzzle... The puzzle just isn't finished. You know what I'm talking about? You break out a thousand piece puzzle and you get done and there's like four holes in it and it's just not quite satisfying. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, where are those puzzle pieces? You know, that's the kind of thing we're looking for here. If you don't have the four W's, all of these pieces in your life, then you're not a complete follower of him. So let's walk them real quick. Worship Christ. That means knowing him, knowing who he is, what's going on in his life. Who he did, what he thinks like, what he wants done, knowing him and adoring him. Worship Christ. That's that top left. And you know what? We do that by coming together corporately on a weekly basis. We do that as we get together, like for a women's thing when they get together, or men's things when they're going to be getting together, or, you know, as we do our young adult things. As we get together and do these worship elements, that's a piece of it. But you can also do it personally. You pop in a CD of some great music. And uh, you sing, maybe you take some time where you're just reading and praying and you're just reflecting on him, worshiping him. You're worth it, Lord. I'm taking time to say you're worth it, knowing and adoring. The next one is walk with Christ. This is where we grow to be more like him. We do it in small groups. We've got some studies that we have available and we're rolling out some more studies this next year that'll give you some opportunity for growing. Small groups and study groups, walk with Christ. It's a great opportunity for you to plug into those and be able to get your growing to be more like him trying to become, become more like him in the way you think, the way you feel, the way you want, the way you, the way you move. It's just more of who Jesus is. Worship him, walk with him, work for him. That's inside the church walls, serving in the church community. You look at Ephesians chapter four, talks about being that every single person is gifted to serve so that they can equip the body better. Did you know that? Every single one of you is given to us here to be able to be working and making an impact inside these church walls. What is it? How can we best get you plugged in? Not only does it help you to feel like this is home because you've got a place where you're needed, but you are actually serving the almighty king of kings as you work within the church walls. Work for Christ. And then witness of Christ. Being able to get outside the church walls and share the truth of who Jesus is with other people. And just say, let me tell you something. I have met him and he's blowing me away. Let me tell you who this Jesus is. I am in awe of what he's doing and what he's saying to me through scripture. Can I just share a little bit of who Jesus is with you? Can I do that? That's witness of Christ. All of those need to be firing on all cylinders. Take just a moment and look up there. Which ones or one might you need to be getting better at? Usually we're not firing on all four. Is there an area where you could do something? We're going to be talking more about that throughout the month of August. But be prepared. Complete disciple. This is our passion. This is where we're headed. 
is making disciples, not just kind of following, sort of doing, well, I picked one of the W's, come on, a complete follower of Christ, sold out for him. That's what we're going after. A full four W's disciple. That's what we're going after here at Harvest. When we say we are going to be about making disciples, we are going to be about the four W's. All of our ministries, they're going to be hung on the four W's. We want you to be able to go passionately after being a worshiper, a walker, a worker, and a witnesser for Christ. That you can be a complete disciple following hard after him. Make disciples, okay? That's what we mean by make disciples. It wasn't a little small answer, was it? There's a lot to be done there. This is a big area for our focus, all right? Make disciples. Look at the next phrase. Of all nations. Of all nations. (laughs) Jesus doesn't shoot small, you know? Hey, let's make disciples of at least a few spots. You know, why don't you try to get out wherever you are? I don't know, give it a little bit of a try. Make disciples of all nations. Now, why did he say that? Well, if you actually tie the two phrases together, look above. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Do you hear the alls being emphasized there? He's saying, I'm over everything. So get some followers from everywhere. Do you hear it? Come on. Everybody should be passionate. I'm over them all. So get them all. Go after them. Maybe another way to translate this is from every people group. The word nations there in the Greek, it's ethnos. Do you hear it? Like ethnicity. That's what it comes from. Every people group. That's where we're supposed to be targeting. So while we can have a great goal of reaching out here in, in the Peoria area, and that's awesome. That's what we want to be a part of. It also means that we need to recognize it's international. It's worldwide. It's every people group. That's what we need to be taking control of as well. I want to almost say it this way. If we were to split up our work here, we would be doing stuff inside our church walls. That's our ministries that we do every week. But we also have a missions that we're about, a missions program. We've got a leader team that watches over that. And that missions program is about taking what we believe to be true locally and making sure it happens internationally. Where can we get plugged in where the local church is being lifted up, complete disciples are being made, and we can truly be making followers from every nation? Amen? That's what we're looking at. Missions everywhere. Okay. So the church locally and the church locally in Africa and in Asia, the church locally everywhere. That's the solution. We're going after church planting with all we've got, making sure that the church is what's being lifted up. Why the church, Tim? Why are you saying the church, the church, the church, the church? Well, listen to this phrase. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Do you hear that? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. It is a guaranteed promise that Jesus Christ is working to grow up local churches all over the place into one big unified praise for his name. Amen. Now that's what we're to be about. Making sure that the church everywhere, all these little local churches are being raised up to be lights for him. Little lights all over the world reflecting back to him. Our model of missions is going to go after Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says that the Holy Spirit will bring power upon us that we can witness. He's talking to the disciples there, that you can witness in both Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So what does that mean? Jerusalem, their own backyard. 
That's like our central Illinois, okay? Judea and Samaria, that regional area. We could even call it the U.S. for us, all right? And then the uttermost parts internationally. So that's what we're going after, a local, a regional, and an international. That's kind of our split for missions. And in all cases, we are saying, let's lift high the I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. A church for every people group. That's what we're going after. That's our battle cry. It's a great mission call as we understand making disciples in the confines of the church is the power that Jesus Christ has given us. If you notice from late Matthew on, it's all about the called out ones, the church. Every place we go, he's talking about the church, the church, the church. We need to be about lifting up the called out ones in all areas. So when you hear me say something like, hey, we're doing some uh, international missions, know this. We're going hard after trying to lift up a local church in that area to begin to be a light to that area. They may already be started and they need help doing something. They may not be started at all and they need us to come alongside and help start the whole thing up. It will be about church planting and church growth internationally, okay? That's what we're going after. We are so excited about what God does in the plan of complete disciples in the confines of the church. And we are told to make disciples, four W's guys, of all nations, right? So we're going hard after that with all we've got. Now, somebody may come up and say, hey, you know what? I found this great opportunity to dig a well in South America to give water to people. Can we support that? And my answer would be this. I'm giving you a really clear practical example, okay? We would say, well, how is it ending up being a light to the local church? Well, it's not tied to any church. Nobody will know what church did it or who's a part of it, and there won't be any way to get back to any gospel message, but it is helping them physically and in a humanitarian way. That's not where we're going. Now, here's a real example. Harvest up in Michigan, uh, West Olive, ended up hooking up with a church out in Africa who ended up saying, we have water problems around here. So they went and dug their own well on their own property, and people could come in and get the water for their physical need and then hear about the living water, Jesus Christ, and life change. And now there's a local church with local light that's helping physical needs and lifting up how to become a follower of him. Now that is tying the two together. Do you see what I'm saying? That's what we're going after. Not missions that just sounds nice because we're taking care of people. Our interest is not just to help life be more comfortable, but rather as we meet felt needs to bring them to the gospel. And if that last step has been cut off, then I'm really not interested in that connection. Does that make sense? It's really important you guys get that. Because as we go forward with missions, we are going to be all about getting the local church lifted up wherever it is to be salt and light. Sometimes it's through felt needs helping, physical needs stuff. Sometimes it's by going and running a VBS program like they're going to be doing down in Jamaica in the next couple of weeks here. They're going to be going down and running for a week long doing this three-day VBS we just did here. They're going to be doing it down there helping to disciple kids, raise them up, and give them a chance to accept the gospel. What an awesome opportunity. That's the kind of stuff we want to get excited about, making disciples of all nations. Make sense? Okay, that's a big deal. It's a big part of who we are. All right, just real quickly here, let's end with uh, the how in this section. It says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So how do we do this? Baptizing and teaching, it says right after that, teaching them to obey. These ING words are really important. They tell you how to do it. It says, make, baptizing and teaching. So baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, it's in the name of God. And as we baptize, we go down into the water, as in down into his death. We come up into new life, Romans chapter 6. Why is this baptism thing so important? 
Because it's a chance for people to stand up and say, I'm following him. I'm giving my life to him. He's impacted me, and I am a follower of Jesus Christ. We just had 25 people get baptized a couple weeks ago over at the Morton Pool. We had like 300 and some people around. I'm telling you, it excites the crowds of people that gather because they hear God working. Amen? We get to hear life stories, and it changes us. It gets us going, God's still at work here. That's another life change. Amen? That's another follower. Good deal. Baptizing. It's a big part of us standing up and saying, I'm following him. And then teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. You know, following Jesus isn't about giving some lip service to words and then going and doing whatever you want. If we really are worshiping him, we're giving him our full attention and our full effort. We're giving him our whole time. Teaching them to obey. That's what it's about. So as we talk about this church going forward, we will be baptizing. We'll be teaching whether it be on Sunday mornings, whether it be in small groups or study groups. We will have the baptism several times a year. You've watched us do things where we're we're doing it at the pool. We're trying to do something where we could get uh, tons of water in here. We'll figure out how that all works out with them. We're trying to do some baptism elements where we get some great opportunities to celebrate God at work here, okay? We will be making disciples. A couple weeks back, I got a phone call, and uh, there was a couple that was interested in maybe coming to our church. And uh, so here's the story of how it went. Do you remember back we were preaching Jonah in June? And the challenge was, hey, is God calling you to talk to somebody? Who is that somebody? Maybe you should go to talk with them even today. Well, one of our families, the Geyers, went home and talked to their neighbor. And they said, you know, we should talk to him. We should just share a little bit of who Jesus is and what's going on. So they brought him a welcome bag from the church and talked to him a little bit about some things. And honestly, that day was a very bad day. They were really not interested in talking. They had other things going on in their marriage and in their family that were just really hot. And that was not a good moment. And so the guyers went away. And later on, they had a chance to talk. The gospel message was able to be shared. And in that moment, nothing seemed to happen. And this couple went away on a vacation. And while they were away mulling and the Holy Spirit was training and pressing, The woman, Kelly, she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior and said, this is something I need to do. Exactly what Joanna was talking about. That's where I'm going with this thing. And she turned her life over to Christ on a vacation. Came home saying, my life's different. I I don't know what to do now. Now what? What's next? And so they sat down and they started talking through things. She invited her to harvest. She said, you should come out. She said, that sounds good, but here's some other questions I've got. They said, hang on. Okay, freeze frame. Kelly, same woman. She also works at a hotel doing setup and teardown. Her job is to help set up for all the events going on, and it's Ashland House that she works at. The Ashland House is where we do our kids' programming on on Wednesday nights and our high school programming on Sunday nights. So she got to see a lot of our body talking and interacting and laughing with each other. She actually said to me, I had kids help move tables for me because I was moving a table. I said, oh, don't, don't do that alone. So they carried it with her. She said, I've never met a high school kid who'd be willing to give their time to help somebody else. She was blown away by the care of this body. Freeze frame. Kelly has now finished a setup one night, and she's leaving. And a woman comes out and is standing next to her. There's two women standing there waiting for their husbands, and they start to chat. And as Terry starts to chat with her and share a little bit, she felt like it was just a divine moment. She says, 
I just want to talk to you a little bit about my church. And she just starts pouring on her excitement for harvest and what God's doing with her and what God's doing here and how great she's been um, experiencing here. She said, I just didn't want to tell you, my husband's super excited about it. Her husband's sitting there and she's like, you need to know, guys get excited about church too. She's starting to lay this thing on and share her passion for who God is and what's going on here. And they sort of set this in the back of their head and then they get through the rest of this experience And now look at what God has done. Look at the tapestry of a neighbor, of our ministries, of a person being willing to step out boldly and just share directly about a challenge to come to the church. And as the three all tie together, the Holy Spirit changes a life and a disciple is made. We will be about making disciples here. Amen. We will be about building followers. Who is God calling you to reach out to? How is he calling you to step up? Maybe he's challenging you right now to round out the four W's. It's time to be more of a complete disciple. It's time to go harder after him. Making disciples. It's what we're going to be about. We want to see life change on a regular basis. Amen. We want to see God moving. Have you ever seen a life turned over to him with tears and joy and weeping and laughter? Have you ever seen it? It can be yours to see. We will be making followers. And as people are coming to him regularly, it's going to be a normal story around here. Somebody else has just found out how awesome Jesus Christ is. Amen? Now that's worth going after. We will be a church that worships him. We will be a church that makes disciples. Are you ready to be a complete disciple? Are you ready to reach out to somebody else and bring them in and help them be a complete disciple? Now that's getting the mission of the church. One last statement. This church will depend on his presence at all times. Depend on his presence at all times. Jesus gets done challenging them. Go to make disciples of all nations. Now, if I was one of 11 guys and I just got told to go make disciples of all nations, one of the questions I'd have is I'd be like, did he just say all? Which, which nations are you taking? You know, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty intense intimidating, isn't it? As one of 11 guys. And so this is his statement and behold. Now remember that word behold. That means like, check this out. Now this is earth shattering. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In other words, you depend on me. Don't do this in your own strength. Don't try to manipulate and control people. Don't just hammer and push people around. Don't just do a club thing. This is about life change. And I am touching the souls. I am with you always till the end of the age. Trust in Jesus Christ. Lean on him with all you have. That's our call. That we need to depend on him that we need to know it's his power, it's his authority, it's his ways, it's his means, it's his moves. We're just faithful in his moving. We follow with him. Depend on his presence. You know, we at Harvest Bible Chapel here in Peoria are going hard after this complete disciple, this trying to uh, bring people in, draw them in, raise them up, and help send them out again to whatever place God may have them called. It's not just us. There's tons of harvest doing this. Let's play the video and let's just get a feel for God at work, a church on a mission. Go ahead. What does missions look like? How do we make disciples of all nations? 
How does this affect the way missions should be done? This is our story. This is his story through us. September of 1988, the Lord gathered 18 men and women together in Chicago, Illinois. Under the leadership of James McDonald, this church would come to be known as Harvest Bible Chapel. Twelve years later, in March of 2000, after witnessing the growth of this church beyond all human expectations, the leadership stepped out in great faith and began the new process of planting churches. Harvest Bible Fellowship was born. few years, four churches were planted, three in Illinois and one in Ontario. Lives were changed, families were restored, addictions were conquered. Jesus Christ was rescuing person after person. What happened next, no one predicted. No one could have imagined over 35 churches. Rolling Meadows, Illinois. Barry, Ontario. Lake Zurich, Illinois. Oakville, Ontario. Arad, Romania. Scarborough, Maine. Peoria, Illinois. Canton, Michigan. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Indianapolis, North, Indiana. St. Louis, Missouri. West Olive, Michigan. Muskoka, Ontario. Indianapolis, Island. Granger, Indiana. Aurelia, Romania, Jacksonville, Houston, Florida, Texas, Arthur, Illinois. Over 25,000 people attend these churches. Churches where the word is preached. Churches where Jesus Christ is worshipped. Churches where prayer is fervent. Churches where evangelism is bold. Churches which last year alone consisted of over 900 small groups and witnessed over 1,500 baptisms. What the Lord is doing is simply amazing. What will the next decade bring? By God's grace alone, 18 harvest churches are being planned for 2009, including the United States, Canada, Poland, Russia, Liberia, Scotland, Romania, and St. Vincent. 18 churches this year. The harvest is being gathered. The Lord Jesus is being worshipped. And we are a part of this mission. So what does missions look like? Simply put, it looks awesome. You know what? It's not about the name Harvest Bible Chapel. It's about the name of Jesus Christ. Harvest Bible Chapel has one thing that we're trying to do. Just keep looking at Jesus. That's what it's all about. Keep looking to him in every way, shape, and form. Don't ever make it about yourselves. Just keep looking to him. And as we keep doing that, things keep multiplying. And it's exciting to see what God's doing both here and abroad. What I wanted to make sure we understood is this is a church on a mission. This is a church called to make disciples. 
This is a church called to see people come to know Jesus Christ and be blown away, racked with how great he is. We are passionate about seeing followers of him come from everywhere all the time and be raised in, drawn up, and sent back out to find more followers. It is about him being glorified by all nations being made disciples. Amen? Now that's a mission. Can you tell I'm a little fired up about this? It fits the Fired Up series well. Church on a mission. That's where we're headed, okay? Church on a mission. Let's not forget making disciples. It's all of what we need to be about, following after him with everything we've got. Let's pray.